on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. It's special because it's episode number 50. That's right. It's also special because it's our Halloween special episode slash scary stories. Um, it's kind of like a reckless In The Rack, but like a spooky version. Maybe, maybe it's like a step up. So I think this podcast is really going to come in candy for people today. What you got? In the Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone, welcome back. To another episode of In the Rack Podcast. I'm your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist, Nick, and we also have Carissa on the podcast today. Carissa, for all of you that don't remember who she is, she's uh, she runs the show here. She does the uh, all the back-end stuff for us. She does all the front-desk stuff for us. She's she's the boss when Taylor's not here. Taylor's not here right now because she's on her honeymoon. So. Yeah. Taylor, I can't wait for you to get back. Chris, Chris needed to change the scenery, so she came on the podcast because she's been been uh, stuck up front all day. She's been working like twelve new, hours a day. Hours, she's like, "Get yeah. me on this thing." No, so yeah, she's like, wrong. "Just put me on a podcast." All yeah. <laughs> so today we have a special episode. It is special for two reasons. It's special because it's episode number fifty. That's right, the five zero. Yeah, maybe. but it's also special because it's our Halloween special episode. Where spooky. we have spooky slash scary stories. Um, it's kind of like a reckless in the rack, but like a spooky version. Maybe maybe it's like a step up yeah. of the reckless in the rack because it's reckless, but it's more on like this is this is meant to scare you a little bit and to scare you scaring you straight. You know, That's right. bum, bum, bum. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so I think this podcast is really going to come in candy for people today. <laughs> I I would say I would say in under. Unlike the story of Got the Sanderson her. sisters, this, these stories are real. <laughs> these stories aren't fake. This is not hocus pocus. This is real life. Yeah. Sorry, just um, had to I can't. drop a little, <laughs> little Halloween joke. Um, <laughs> all right. I'll kick us off then. All, all right, right. So kick us off, Nick. You guys you know with our, our stories podcast, we go with alias names if it's about a particular person so we don't violate, violate any laws. So for the sake of Halloween, this is going to be Twix. Okay. So Twix came in with... Uh, Twix are for kids. That's Trex. Oh, nice. Trex. Nice. <laughs> nice try. Chad doesn't eat much junk food. So. Uh, <laughs> I was close. I was close. <laughs> one's a candy, one's a cereal. They're, they're probably both like very similar ingredients it sounds like in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, just a lot of sugar and a lot of seed oil and <laughs> some food coloring. Yeah. Um, okay. So Twix uh, has been having foot pain on both sides for the better part of the last 20 years. And one of the main reasons you guys knew I was going to bring the feedback into this, but one of the main reasons that this story is so scary to us is that after asking a few questions and interacting with this person, 20 years of foot pain, never once had any provider seen numerous doctors, podiatrists, never once did any single one provider recommend physical therapy. Okay. And that's not to say that um, physical therapy would have, oh, it, like physical therapy would have been the magic cure for her, magic pill. No, not necessarily, but the fact that it was never once recommended or offered is very scary because then there was, you know, this person's been in pain and you could 
potentially see this person going down the road of something like a surgery, still having never tried something like physical therapy to help manage these symptoms. Now, this person had been treated with numerous orthotics, various orthotics. Obviously, those became more, more, um, you know, complex over the years. It's like, oh, now we got to add cushion here. Now we got to do this. Now we got to do that. So came in, I asked to see the orthotic. This thing was just like rock solid in the arch and very, very narrow in the toes. So we know just compressing your feet even more, causing more of that, that kind of wedge underneath the arch. Um, I think I've said it on a podcast before, but if you take an arch, um, the arch is supposed to support weight on top of it, not from underneath. So if you have a firm arch support in a shoe, you are just functionally collapsing that arch into said hard arch support. Doesn't sound fun. Um, but so treated with a variety of injections, things like that. And the most recent uh, podiatrist had given her an injection and said, this is the last thing I can offer you. This is it. Like this is the end of the road, essentially, is what this provider had had told Twix. This is the last thing I, c- I can do for you. If this doesn't work, you should probably try some physical therapy. So 20 years down the road, this is the last thing I can offer you, an injection. Luckily, it wasn't surgery, but an injection. If this doesn't work, well, now you can go to physical therapy. That's that's scary because if you've ever been to physical therapy, think think about it. Like minimal skin off your back. Yeah, we make you work a little harder, get a little sweaty. But in the grand scheme of things, unless we do dry needling, nothing was poked and prodded in your body. Um, nothing was cut open, right? You weren't on any medications that can wreak havoc on your your GI system, your hormones, anything like that. If anything, the things we're doing, the movement is going to help your hormones and 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 your your metabolic um, systems. So it's it's literally like you know just just try it. Like go try exercise physical therapy with with a specialist with someone who knows what they're doing, and it's going to be minimal skin off your back. Um, some of the other stuff has some serious side effects. There's going to be very little side effects to coming and trying physical therapy. Like it should be one of the first things for most of these orthopedic conditions because very little side effects very little side effects um and yeah we're biased like yeah you could come and you could be in more pain but is that pain indicative that something is is um, injured or going wrong no not necessarily it just might be new for your body so it's just a scary thing to think about our medical system um it, it is is telling you that this is all we can do right and and when they're saying that this is all we can do what they're offering you is just a glorified Band-Aid, but they're telling you that this is all you can do. So you are basically giving a Band-Aid. So it's it's probably creating a new problem because it's not addressing the underlying cause, but it's it's a, a, a Band-Aid that's coming along with side effects. And then we're probably blaming everything off. Your, your, your mom had these feet too. It's just genetics. It's luck of the draw. So you're immediately taking power out of the individual's hands, out of the patient's hands. And you're making them feel powerless. And if anyone has ever felt powerless in any situation, it's a scary thing, right? To feel like some someone or something else has complete power over you is very, very scary, right? And that's what our medical system, unfortunately, is doing um, to a lot of these, these people. So Twix felt that way, even if Twix couldn't describe that sensation. But it was like, ah, oh, well, these are just my feet. I have to wear these really thick orthotics in every shoes. I need special shoes. I can't go barefoot anywhere completely powerless with regard to um, the situation with with her feet and the reality is that even after just a few visits just from a few simple exercises you know 
Twix is starting to feel like she has some control over, you know, her outcomes now. And the reality is that you do with a lot, most, you know, most of these, or there are certain health conditions, right? That, yeah, it's out of your, out of your control. But the vast majority of our orthopedic issues, you know, our musculoskeletal um, joint issues, we have way more control than we think, right? You, we've said it time and time again on this podcast, you're your, you're your primary healthcare, uh, health care provider, right? So you are first in line. And then, yeah, you have a quote unquote PCP, but they're kind of like the safety net, right? Make sure there's no red flags, nothing like that. You, you need to be first. You, you own your own health, right? And with regard to specific issues, you know, do, do some, some investigations, some self-assessment, like see what may be playing a role. Is it my footwear? Is it the way I move? Is it the way I do things? Is it what I'm doing? Is it the way I'm sitting? Is it right? All these things. And then just control what you can control. Forget about what you can't. And if you really can't get a handle on it, go see someone who knows what they're talking about, right? And not someone who's just going to tell you, ah, you don't have any power. It's just your genes, you know? So it is scary. It's a scary, uh, scary aspect of our, of our medical system. I think that's a red flag too. Like whenever a medical professional or anybody, whether it's a PT, whether it's a Cairo, whether it's a, you know, MD, if they're telling you this is the last resort, this yeah. is all we can do. This is all we can offer. Uh, that's yeah. a red flag already. I mean, because to me that says you either don't know what's going on or you don't know what else to do with me. Like yeah. you just can't refer somebody else to me. Like it's yeah. they. There's an ego thing that that some of these providers go through where they just have a hard time referring outside of the network, unfortunately. Um, and they feel like, well, if I couldn't help you, nobody can. Yeah. I'm the man. You it certainly I mean? is. A, there's a safe face yeah. aspect to it. And, yeah. and it goes, it's part of the system. Though. It goes back to even the, the medical education system, like how we're trained. It's, it's the, uh, we, we hold, especially doctors on such a high pedestal that they, they then take on this feeling that they have to have the answers it's okay not to like if that's not your wheelhouse don't try to make it your wheelhouse you know there we go um, benefit of the doubt nikki see yeah. what he just did there you see I how know. he just turns this around but it is i mean it, it's 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 a direct reflection <laughs> no, of, I'm, I'm, of the, the education system right. too you know so as much as um you can hold we should hold the doctors and, and the providers accountable for not continuing to educate themselves or continuing to further their their knowledge yes that's on them but when they come out of school the things that they're lacking that's on the sit that's on the system partly on them for not going beyond the schooling but you know part of it's very much on, on the system itself you know and that that um kind of aspect of putting so much weight and oh you can't control this like it's your genes we can only do this these band-aid treatments you know that's a it's it's so convoluted it's very much on both the provider and um you know the system but it's you know you become like you go through it, you work hard enough to get there. You're almost like a zombie in it. You're just like, okay, this is it. This is how we do things. But at yeah. the same time though, like if they're going to get to that point of, you know, this is it, this is all I can offer you. You're basically showing your patients and your clients that you don't want to work the extra hour to yeah. find another solution. Yeah. Like you're throwing in the flag and saying, I'm done, yeah. you know, good luck. Like that's, you're basically giving up on your patients yeah. and, you know, you see, all these shows like Grey's Anatomy and whatever of all these doctors who are, you know, studying extra long and maybe you actually should study a little bit longer and yeah. look into some, you know, other yeah. options other than, all right, here's this injection. If it doesn't help, then I don't know what to tell you, bro. Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't know. And I, I think some of that, like, we, we could put some of the onus on the patient too. Like, there's so much information out there. You can certainly go 
find some things out. Maybe you don't speak that language. Maybe the, the thing you read is way over your head, but you can still get a grasp on it. And then you can go to your provider with questions. And then if they can't answer said questions or they don't sound like they're too confident, eh, you have your answers right there. You probably want to go see someone else. You know, so I think it's it's important for for people, like I said, take take ownership of your own health. So you you are the first line of defense and you do some research, you look up some stuff and you say, okay, okay, this is what I'm thinking. I want to hear if this is kind of what makes sense in the, the eyes of a professional and uh, see if you can connect the dots that way. I like it. Cool. Yeah. Who next? Chris, I Chad? guess I'm next. Right. Chad's going to go last because his yes. is supposedly the quote unquote scariest. Well, yeah. And, and I might rant a little bit. So. I don't even know what it's about. So it's oh, a surprise to me. Oh, yes. So That's I'll go. But right, I had scary. to think of this one on the fly just because I literally asked last minute was like, hey, can I join in because I'm <laughs> bored? So <laughs> here I am. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. We're just going to take a quick trip back in time to when I got my gallbladder taken out in 2017, I think it was. Um, basically, make a long story short, I was down in Georgia visiting my brother. Um, and in the middle of the night, I had a gallbladder attack. Um, so basically got rushed to the ER, super severe pain in my right upper quadrant, um, and did a ultrasound and found a marble sized, um, gallstone in the neck of my bile duct and it was stuck, which was creating all the pain. So basically they pumped me full of pain meds and sent me on my way and said, you know, it's either going to go back into your gallbladder or you're going to pass it. And with my luck of the draw, it went back into my gallbladder and I did not pass it. So a few months down the road, still super in pain. And I had my gallbladder removed. Um, thought everything was fine and dandy, routine surgery. You don't need your gallbladder. You just got to, you know, kind of keep an eye on what you're eating afterwards. Um, and so I'm home recovering. We're six days into recovery and I start getting a very, very bad pain in my stomach again. But like to the point where you couldn't even lay the slightest finger on my stomach without severe, severe pain. So I'm like, okay, something's wrong. And so me being me, I call my parents, you know, I'm 28 years old and I still rely on my parents for help, obviously. (laughs) So I would call my parents and my dad's like, no, no, like, I think you just need to sleep it off. Like maybe in the morning we'll bring you to urgent care. It'll be okay. And I'm like, no, no, something's definitely wrong. So I get my mom on the phone. I'm like, mom, come pick me up. We're going to the hospital. So mom comes pick me up at 1130 at night go to the hospital. And I was like, Hey, just had surgery here a week ago and I'm in severe pain. And they immediately took me back because they're like, Oh crap, something's wrong. And you had it done at our facility. So we need to take you back. So, you know, I'm getting all this pain. They take the stitches out of my incision. They swab it, which in it of itself was excruciating pain, sticking a um, Q-tip into my belly button. And no pain meds, no nothing. So I'm in the ER crying and I, they come back and they're like, all right, we got to, we got to admit you, you're definitely infected. So my surgeon, I'm not going to put out any names, but granted he's on the South shore. So he's not anywhere near here. Um, he tried to blame it on constipation. And I was like, no, no, like this is most definitely not constipation. Like I understand I'm on pain meds. So it's kind of backing me up a little bit. 
but this is 110% not constipation. You need to do something. And they're like, okay, like we'll do some more ultrasounds and whatever, all the testing, every test under the sun you can imagine. And it's quote unquote, still constipation. And I'm like, I don't believe that. So my dad threatened to have me taken out of their care and moved to Boston. And they were like, all right, let's try a couple more blood tests, whatever. So I'm in the, in, in the hospital for a week, haven't eaten in seven days, haven't drank in seven days, losing weight, in pain, nauseous, feeling horrible. And come to find out, um, they told me I was okay to take a shower a little bit too early. And the water that my town was pumping through our showers um, infected my incision. And I ended up having a bacteria growing in my abdomen. I had free fluid in my abdomen and I had a bacteria growing in there that is connected to plants. And they said, if I hadn't come to the ER within 24 hours, I would have gone septic because it's the type of bacteria that showed up on the lab tests. So scary part for me is that my surgeon who I put all the trust in the world to do my surgery, I did research on him. He just wanted to take the easy way out and call it constipation. And I knew something wasn't right. And I kept advocating for myself and getting them to do other things. My dad advocated for me and came back. I had a really, really, really bad bacterial infection in my stomach. So never stop speaking up for yourself, guys. Mm -hmm. For real. Yeah, your intuition is powerful. Yeah. Um, you, you know, if you if you really are are in your gut, you feel something's wrong, and and we do it a lot, right? Like as humans, we we perseverate on things, and we often think the worst. But if you really, really like take a step back, and you're like, okay, what does my gut say? And your gut's like, yes, yeah, something's wrong. Go with your gut, and just go go get you know, ask for all the tests. Do you know, do whatever you got to do, because. You know, it, it, in a situation like that, it can be life or death for sure. Yeah. You know. And I mean, Which, I've never had that experience of sepsis, but I know it's not a good thing. Yeah, and I know no, you sure. could potentially end up in very, very bad situations. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep asking for things and figure it out. And we figured it out. So. So are there any modifications that you have to do nowadays because you don't have your gallbladder? Um, it... Yes. So uh, I don't really follow them because so I... People, yeah. people know. I, mean, also, I know what it does, but I don't know if there's... Yeah. Also, before we get into that, the, the whole concept of... So you were, they told you, oh, you don't need your gallbladder. This whole concept of like, we don't need organs that we we have in our body that were born, like that develop, they serve a purpose. It, it's It's so skewed. Again, going back to this whole like medical system of, Oh no, you don't need that organ. No, that's silly. Like you do need the organ. Can you survive without yes, it? Yes, that's yes, yes. But to to tell a patient that for you know does you know isn't a specialist in that regard. Oh, you don't need this. Well, that you just downplayed that organ, mm-hmm. right? Like you you downplayed that that person's body. So to say we don't need the organ, no, that's not true at all. It serves a purpose. That's a very important organ. But can your body compensate and function without it? Technically, yes. Can yes. you survive? Yes. But to 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 use the verbiage of oh you don't need that, that's so wrong. Yeah, yeah. So that's wrong. that's I remember that's I what I was told. I didn't need it, which I do need it because yes. now when I eat things, yeah, sure. I have to shy away from the fatty foods like yeah. the burgers and the fries and all that good stuff because the fat content that is in them severely affects my no longer gallbladder. Yeah, you can't and yeah, you can't I can't fat. break down yeah, the fat yeah, properly. Yeah. So when I do have a burger because I can't give that up, 
um, I just get very, very bad stomach pains and I just have to get through it. So I try and modify, but my my eyeballs sometimes <laughs> see that burger and they're like, oh my God, it looks so good. So I got to have it. And so to give a little background too. So for gallbladder remover is actually, removal is one of the most common procedures done in America now. And um, it, it's a little bit, it's probably done a little too. So the way you were treated the first time where they said, oh, well, wait and see. I'm glad that they did that because some people don't get that luxury. Some people, they just come in and, oh, you have a stuff, you have a gallstone. We're just going to remove it because you, they say you don't need it. So there's a lot of gallbladder removers that are just done, snap of a finger, boom, right away. So if you are an individual who goes to the hospital and they tell you you have an issue with your gallbladder, you know, ask them if, if, if you, you can wait and see. You know, and there are strategies that you can implement. Uh, one that's not for this podcast, but there are certainly strategies. One of which is coffee. So if you don't like coffee, drink some coffee in that situation. Um, but it can help break down those those stones in the gallbladder. So you definitely di- like if you can avoid getting it removed. Yeah, yeah. You, I you want I mean, to, I so. did not want to, but I was for going sure. on two months for with sure. constant everyday pain. Absolutely. So and, I was like, screw this. I need to talk to somebody. Yeah. So. And I would say that for them to say that's that's where the, the system, you know, it did you wrong is that they just said, oh, yeah, take this pain med. Again, glorified Band-Aid. Go home. It'll figure itself out. They didn't give you any strategies as to what you could do on your own. Right. And not to say like hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, would that have worked? We have no idea. But if they had sent you home, like, hey, look, we're going to wait and see, take these pain meds. But in the meantime, also try this, this, and this, see if it can help. Even like castor oil packs have been shown to be helpful, things like that. And you went home and you did that daily. Who knows? We have no idea. But still, it's something that it's a better option than saying, you know, oh, just take this pain med. It'll deal with the pain. We don't know what's going to happen with the gallbladder. We'll take it out in a couple of weeks if we have to. Or even worse so, what people are going through on a daily basis in the U.S. is, oh, you have a gallstone? I'll just take it out. It's really easy. You don't need it, right? That's, oh, that's scary. And people don't know or they don't stand up for themselves like you do. Like, call, uh, hey, honey, I got to get my gallbladder removed. Um, you know, come pick me up in a couple hours. Like, that's crazy. Like, all of a sudden you had some stomach pain and boom, they're just taking out organs. It's wild. Yeah, you can't come back from that. Wild. Yes. Uh, all oh, right. Oh man. The big one. Your turn. All right. Well, it's it's big to me anyways. It might not be big to other people, but no, hopefully by the time I'm it's done big. talking about it, it's big. It might be bigger to some of you guys. But um get comfy because he's gonna rant a little bit. I am bit. gonna rant a little bit, only <laughs> because this is something that I've definitely taken a lot more interest over in the last one to two years, especially over the last year. Um this weekend I'm actually going off and this is the week before Halloween. So by the time this records, I would have already have gone to this conference and come back. So maybe I'll talk a little bit about that when I come back. But <clears throat> this weekend, I'm actually leaving to go to a conference called the Silverback Summit, which is put on by uh, Allie Gilbert, which is my coach. And uh, I've I've had a previous um, podcast with her in the past as well. Uh, so I'll link that in show notes. I've also done a blog about this topic that I'm going to be talking about, which is the testosterone epidemic. And this is scary for a lot of people. And I'm going to bring up a real life situation um, that will probably be relatable to a lot of people that are listening to this, or a lot of men anyways, that are listening to this. Um, so 
the summit that I'm going to is going to be talking about like all of the myths that are surrounding like men's health. You know, for example, testosterone is going to be one of the biggest um, key um, interests that they're going to be talking about down there, uh, especially where it relates to low testosterone and how it is correlated to modern day society, which uh, Nick and I have talked about this on multiple occasions. And we're going to keep talking about it because it uh, it definitely, you know, is important. It's only getting worse. Um, as time goes on. So um, what's so scary about this is that the amounts of testosterone that our body, our male bodies are producing over time is becoming less and less and less over the generations. Um, so it's in in actu- actuality, men are losing, quote unquote, their masculinity, if you will. Um, so research actually tells us that since the 1980s, men's testosterone levels have actually been decreasing about 1% per year. So 1% per year. So what, 1980 was? Over 40 years. Yeah, yeah 40 yeah. years. So, so 40%, I mean, almost yeah. 40%. And uh, if you actually go to this blog post um, that I that I put up not too long ago, I think it was a few months ago, um, there's a picture there. And that picture is uh, pretty disturbing. But if you look at it, you can see that uh, over time, men are slowly beginning to look female, or they have female attributes, if you will, um, which is kind of scary. Uh, and I think that we can't talk about testosterone. This is not only for like you know younger adults, but older adults as well, because as we get over a certain age, we start to lose that over time. I think it's what thirty, thirty-five, or whatever. Um, so what ends up happening is is um, we have this higher risk for, well, especially in the United States, we have a higher risk for obesity, which is again linked to low testosterone, which is also linked to low testosterone because of all these statins that we're on and other medications that are actually going against us, um, as well as all the environmental toxins that we're taking in every single day. I mean, Nick, you're you're the you're the the expert on this the toxin but, guy. Yeah, you're the toxin guy, man. But like pesticides, you know, parabens, you know, I mean, I just since the last two years, I've been eating all my food out of glass containers and I I'll preach that forever now. I mean, there were, I was the classic, like put it in a plastic Tupperware and just heat that, eat that shit up. And, and what would you say? (laughs) I've been been doing this for years. It's fine. It's like, I said that last time people say that. I've been doing this for years. You know, it's like, well, time now it's time to change. Totally. I mean, I've even changed the soap that I use, the shampoo that I use. And it's not like, is it going to create any drastic change? Maybe not, but it's going to prevent um, it from getting worse, you know? And that's that's kind of really on the level that I'm at right now is preventable. But um, for all of you out there that haven't had your labs done, you should consider doing them. And you can get these labs done anywhere. I mean, I get them done every three months. Uh, I'm actually going to put out a blog at some point, K-Dog. Yeah, you better hurry up, man. <laughs> it's been your turn for months now. On labs. <laughs> and uh, we actually videotaped uh, videotaped. Is that okay to say nowadays? Videotaped? Recorded. 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 Took a video. <laughs> I, I um, took a video. I phoned, we iPhoned like we iPhoned stuff. it. Yeah, we iPhoned it. <laughs> um, of me getting my labs drawn here at the clinic because they do it right on site. And I get it done every three months because I want to know where I'm at. And I, you know, my coach, but also I have another um, doctor that actually is in Tennessee outside of my network that 
reviews all my labs and we go over that every single month. And I've, I've had this conversation with, uh, with, with all of you guys before. So, but I do want to talk about the labs really quick. And this is like part of the scary story, right? Um, this all comes back to a patient of ours that, uh, read my blog and was like, Oh damn, I got to take control of this. This is not a good situation. So he ended up going through the same thing that I went through in terms of getting his labs done. And he got his labs back not too long ago. And he, one of his lowest values on his lab sheet was his testosterone level. And I want to kind of talk about the lab values, but also talk about where he was at and how it changes all depending on what laboratory you get your, your labs run at. So his just to give you an example, his labs were uh, below 300. So his testosterone was below 300. It's nanograms per deciliter. And to be exact, it was 283. Okay. And he went to LabCorp. So the normal range at LabCorp for testosterone is 264 to 916. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big, big gap, that's right? A big gap. Um, and just to give you an example of that, um, the reason why I say that is because, yeah, it's low, right? But it's still within normal limits, right? Even though it's low. it's And and, and I want to talk about where people consider these normal limits to be. But um, in 2017, LabCorp changed their reference range of serum testosterone values from 348 to 1197 to 264 at 916. So if he had had these labs done in 2017, would have been low. he would have been low, yeah. right? And the only reason why I say this is because his doctor had reviewed these labs after he had had this done and said that, you know, it's low, but it's not abnormally low. That's fucking abnormally <laughs> low. I'm sorry. Like, and, and I only say that too, because uh, the American Urology or American Urologic Association uh, defines low T as anything lower than 300. Yet we have LabCorp that's like, nah, man, you're good. You're yeah. good at 283 because we say it's 264. Um, you go to a Quest Laboratories, it's 250 to 1110. So I think it's important to like, it's real quick for people yeah. to understand that, like Chad just mentioned that the levels have dropped 1% per year. So 40% right. of the last uh, four decades. And these quote unquote normative values are based on our current population okay so remember we've declined 40 percent, but we're basing our values on the general population correct okay so that's what you guys need to understand is that the the values that the labs and and even your doctor are saying are normal are based on an unhealthy population okay so that's what you have to remember yep exactly and so the importance there is and it's exactly like you just said nick the um the lab core reference range they say that the um they have said that that was the reason why they had dropped the uh, the normal reference range because they were like, they were finding everyone down that low. Oh, totally. everyone's there, so it must be normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's exactly sure. what Instead that was of, the exact oh, reason. Everyone's there. Maybe there's problem. Yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah. we're all unhealthy. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. So, so that's that's scary. You know? It is. So we're conforming these values based yeah. on you know what what people are presenting yeah. with because most people are overweight. Yeah. And, and obese and on yeah. other medications that are yeah. driving their testosterone levels down. So they're like, oh, man, everybody's low. Let's yeah. just move this scale down a little bit yeah. so that everybody just becomes normal, yeah. you know? Um, and now they're not so normal, right? Yeah. 
So, and that that's like one part of the whole scary thing, but I know that you guys were just mentioning the whole doctor thing and I, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon too, because uh, he had let his doctor know about this. And yeah, his doctor wasn't overly concerned about how low it was, but he also went to fear monger him by saying that, oh no, um, actually, it, in fact, if if you do increase your testosterone, what's, what's actually going to happen is you're going to put yourself at a higher risk for prostate cancer as well as like cardiovascular disease and, yeah. and all this bullshit, right? Which is completely false. And research has actually debunked both of those things. Um, I won't get into the, all the research with that. But basically, <clears throat> you know, we, we have now, you know, I don't want to say lied, but we have now tried to make him feel better about the fact that he's low. But hey, if you go the other way or if you try to improve your testosterone, it's only going to increase your, your risk it's for something else. It's going to make you know? more unhealthy. Is what more unhealthy. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if that's because it's just, we're just really just not knowledgeable. Is it like, uh, because we just don't want to push it? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you have any thoughts on that? I, I, I honestly, I think it's a little combination of everything, honestly, yeah. but it, it's, you can't, you have, you have conspiracy theorists out there saying like, yeah, the, this, the quote unquote system, we'll call it the system wants you to be unhealthy, you know, so you're dependent or this or that. Is it that serious? Like, it is are people out there that smart to create a system that's that's set up that way? I, I don't know, but is is that what it's like? Is that looking more and more accurate as years go on? <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Right. And we've gotten to a point where there's such a big mismatch. I think this is the biggest takeaway for me: is there's such a big mismatch between our modern world, our modern environment, and the lives we live, compared with our evolution. Okay, so we're at a point in time where we've created an environment that's so vastly different and a lifestyle that's so vastly different from what the human species is accustomed to that this mismatch is creating a lot of this friction in your, you know, metabolic um, you know, health, um, the way you move, the way you just operate on a daily, daily uh, life, you know, the way you think, the way you act, all that kind of stuff. So this mismatch is, is not only creating... Um, you know, actual, actual diseases and conditions that we're seeing, you know, crazy upticks in, in the last couple of decades, but you're seeing in a rise in you know, mental health issues, anxiety, depression, it, it all goes hand in hand, you know, and that's not to downplay, um, you know, any, any one thing I know, Chad, you mentioned before, like the, at the beginning of this, you said that because testosterone is going down, we're having increasingly males look more like females. Now, People could misconstrue that and think like, oh, oh, you don't like, you don't, the whole like, you know, gender equality, stuff like that, like people identifying how they want it. We're not even talking about any of that. Just bar none. Like if you have males becoming females, we go extinct. That's right. That's scary. We That's go extinct. scary. Because if we don't have a male and a female to reproduce, well, we're going to have to create it in a laboratory and that's all we got. Right. So we are going extinct at some point if that this trend continues on that path. So it has nothing to do with, um, you know, gender rights and, and, and that type of, of um, you know, issue. It's 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 really just, OK, are we going to survive as a species on this planet? Right. And if we continue on this path, it's it's we're going to have to save ourselves with with, uh, you know, something else. And um, are we smart enough to do that? Maybe. But. Could we also just restore some of our our natural, um, you know, lifestyle and and something a, a lifestyle that blends the the modern with something that's evolutionarily consistent with 
where we're at as a species? Absolutely. That's reasonable. That's something that we can all start to implement today as opposed to waiting for the scientists in a lab to be like, all right, this is going to be our saving grace. This is going to allow us to reproduce without the necessary parts, you know? So uh, it, it's it's scary. It really is. And you just made that scary story way more scary. Well, it, I mean, <laughs> I it is. Think about that. Well, it, I mean, it, it's that, true, that's where we're going, I know, right? Like so to, to stop part, like women have testosterone too, and women need certain levels of testosterone. But what part of what makes males male is is yes the the parts the different parts but what makes those parts is the testosterone that's it's right the testosterone. that's right so that's like right. if we don't have enough testosterone at some point we won't have the right parts and if you don't have the right parts you can't reproduce it happens for any it that goes for any animal if the animals don't have the capacity um to to reproduce they will at some point become extinct um you know, so and we're doing it to ourselves. It's not something that you know. It's not another animal or a bacteria or a virus that's that's just stealthily hunting us down. It's us, you know. And I think, um, you know, the the we're getting in our own way in that regard, for sure, for sure. And there's certainly things you can do today to to help your, um, you know, testosterone levels. Chad mentioned a bunch. So you know, change your environment, change change your lifestyle a little bit, and those things will. Is it going to drastically improve it? Maybe, maybe not. You know, it could. Hopefully it does. But it's certainly going to help help in the, you know, in the short term and, and even long term. Long term, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, scary stuff. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to, to put a, a little damper on everybody's Halloween <laughs> weekend. But, jeez. Man. I mean, this is the idea, though. It's no, supposed to be a spooky episode. No, and I know. Kind of no, and, and it's important and... stuff. It's It really is. It's important stuff that we need to you know, keep harping on because these changes aren't going to be made if people don't understand and know what's happening, what's going That's on. That's right. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. I think we, uh, I think we, we busted that one for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, one, one thing if, you know, people always ask us about nutrition, you know, so I think it's important that we touch upon this as we enter Halloween. So just remember, no matter if you eat a little bit or a lot, some candy will always go to waste. What? Mm. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did not get that one oh, until man. right now. I know, I know. <laughs> like, Some candy will about? always go to your yeah. waste. Well, yeah. listen, you put a that Reese's was a bad in my one. hand. I know. It's gone I know. right in my that mouth. Was a, that was Sorry. a bad. That was a bad dad joke. But I just needed to say it. Reese's. I just needed to say it. And remember, Twix are for kids. Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at ProformPTMA.com or on social media at ProformPTMA. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.